Well, everyone, I'm Justin. And I'm Courtney. And we want to welcome you guys again to Made for Mondays. I want to let you know that you're made for Mondays. Mondays own you. You own your Mondays. And I'm super glad that you are tuned in with us today as we continue our journey on what it means to be made for Mondays. And uh, today we have another topic. But I thought before we jump into it, we do another fun game. I'm um, not great at these, but I thought we'd play this or that. Oh, okay. All right. So I, I thought this that. or that in terms of cooking. Oh, okay. All right. So in terms of cooking and um, this or that in terms of cooking. And so I'll ask you this or that, and then we'll do what your winner is for this or that. All right. So do you like organic food or like basic processed food? <laughs> um, That's a hard one. I think some things I like organic, but I'm okay with the. Basic. So which one? Okay. Organic or conventional? I guess I'm more conventional. Okay, conventional. Gas stove or electric stove? Gas all the way. Okay. Barbecue? Actually, let me let me back up. Let me back. Oh, no, this is cool. Okay, so never mind. I, I messed up. Okay, let me start the game over. I'm not good at these games. All <laughs> right, so, okay, so we're going to do this. Sorry. You guys, get, forgive me. I'm not the game person. So garden, <laughs> not. your I'm... own personal garden, or the farmer's market? Ooh, I would love to grow things in my own personal garden, but I don't do that. So I only have the first market, but I think, I guess, I don't know. I'm much, I would love to do personal garden things. Okay. So garden groceries or eating out. I'm team eating out. <laughs> team eating out. <laughs> but based on your service series, I'm about to cut back, clear out and sit down. A hot meal or cold meals? So by cold meal, I mean like deli salad. food and stuff like that or salads or hot stuff. Like Hot. I'm a hot person. Okay. okay. All right. So you're a hot person. All right. So let's go back to the beginning. So conventional basic food <laughs> where the hens are oppressed or your own garden? <laughs> or my own garden? Yeah. My own garden. Okay. Um, eating out or hot food? Hot food. All right. So you prefer hot food from your own garden. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm bad at these games. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. What? I'm done with games. Okay. Let's get, you guys are here for the podcast. I am like literally trying here. I need to get it. Not a, you had a whole like, expand, you had like a, a whole producer. magazine quiz. I did. Like, I'm proud of you. Normally, I'm the game. I'm the like game icebreaker shortener. So I'm really proud of you for like that was good. Yeah, I enjoyed I it. That was a stretch. Today we're talking about if we're going to expand our capacity, daddy trauma. Mm. Yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah, that's what's on my <laughs> mind. I guess I read this book called Home Run by Kevin Myers and uh, John Maxwell, and this guy told the story, and it was very similar to my own um, when it comes to like dads and as i'm navigating through what it means to be a dad and i have a lot of my friends now it's crazy i was talking to terrence and it was funny because it was like i remember when we first met right and now we're both dads and you know all that type of stuff and a lot of my friends were not just like dudes anymore we're dads, not right? dudes dads. and uh people went to college with all of that and it's different being a dad and i was reflecting on my own Right. And just uh, part of my own story. So my father, um, he he left our family when I was in high school 
and just dipped out, um, stayed around. He did like domestic violence type stuff. He was already mm. gone for years. But the last day, him and I got into a massive fight, like a massive fight. And um, he came at me with a hatchet because at the time I was playing football. I was mm. weightlifting every single day. I was a, I was in powerlifting. I mean, I was I was lifting weight. You know, I was mm-hmm. a, I was offensive and defensive lineman. And um, he came at me with something. Realized he couldn't overpower me, so he came in with that. My mom got in the middle of it um, and sent me out because she literally told me later she was like, "Your future is too bright to end it all with him." Wow. Right, and so I got into my car, drove around, called the police. Police came, arrested him, and that was the last time I saw my dad until some years later, where mm-hmm. I met up with him with you. Um, that's the only way I was going to talk to him is if you were there. And then he didn't even want to talk to me. Right, he didn't even want to talk to me. We got there, and he didn't even want to talk when we got there. He didn't want to have a one-on-one one-on-one conversation. It was always group conversations, and anytime we brought anything like that up, it was always my mom's fault, mom's fault, mom's fault, and all of that. Um. And just made me think about a lot of things, like things that he did when I was a kid, things I saw, things I witnessed. Like I remember, like one of the reasons, like I, I it's crazy to me when people talk about finances and pastors and churches. Mm-hmm. I remember the day where we went to get a haircut and he was trying to pay for our haircut with a church check. Church. And I was like, what do you have church checks for? Wow. And it was things like that. Where like, so like a reason I'm like so particular about like, I don't even want to be near it because I'm like, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I'm tempted to use church checks. Mm-hmm. and hide that right mm-hmm. and all of that you know and so the book I was reading um, I'm working on some stuff myself but as I'm thinking through a lot of this I, I think it's I think so often and not just black communities but white communities as well like I didn't realize how many f- homes have been fractured in white communities too so this is not just a yeah. black thing it's a, it's a brown thing it's a white thing it's a no matter who you are um, for some reason masculinity is comfortable departing Mm. And we're just so comfortable with throwing crap at women, throwing um, kids at women, and thinking that we can parent our children on the weekends. Mm. And even when we're in relationships, and I, the one thing you don't do in our home, which I really appreciate, is I'm not just reserved for the fun stuff mm-hmm. or discipline, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'm. It's it's a balance where like we're both making sure he takes a bath and we're both present in everything he does. And, and and not that we get it right all the time, but uh, I thought it'd be meaningful to think about one of the areas that forbid us or stop or slow down progress in our lives are the things we don't talk about. And, 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 and even as I think about my own leadership, there've been so many times where I have looked down on deacons or leaders, Mm -hmm. uh, men in my churches, Mm -hmm. um, because they resemble or reflect or anything my father or they have such a tight household that I'm jealous right? mm. and don't realize how how the things we deal with on our personal lives as leaders uh, without reconciling them can really have a harm. So I thought it'd be meaningful to discuss daddy trauma. Yeah, there's so much in that. There's like so much to unpack with even just everything that you say. So, um, for the past four years, my career has been dedicated working specifically with um, women or those that identify or birthing people who are carrying a child mm-hmm. um, physically and um, working with them on all sorts of topics and coaching them, mm-hmm. right, to like, you know, take care of themselves because postpartum is the number one um, killer for, for moms who are of color, particularly black women in that postpartum stage because mm-hmm. it just gets so 
unbearable, right? From physical body changes to caring for the child itself and all the stuff that goes with adding a new child Mm -hmm. to the system, right? And for so often we've talked about in our own organization, wow, like we really should like extend this to fatherhood Mm -hmm. too, right? Like fatherhood, they need like well-being care too and like coaching and paternal health and what does that look like Mm -hmm. and how do we navigate through this? Because I think there are just lessons as people. We just aren't taught. You're never taught how to be a parent, right? Like I know there's no book there because every child is different, but just like the core basics, be present. Right Or like, what are the common triggers? If this is a common problem that we see throughout just families and things of like, how do we help prepare? And I think this is our time now to reflect on our own journeys through fatherhood. But then also, how do we prepare those that are in our generation or those coming up or even those that are before, even as grandfathers Mm -hmm. to like, be better. Like, how do we be better families? Mm-hmm. I think is really good. And having a goal of a healthy, not a perfect family, because mm-hmm. there's no family that's perfect, but a healthy family. Yeah. I think one of the starting places is saw this uh, this week, and it was talking about acknowledging the elephants, mm-hmm. right? And uh, this guy talked about having the fine family. Like, how's your family fine? How's home fine? How's this fine? Not knowing that you argued all the way. Like, even in my own story, right? So. We would go to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Right? We would go to church on Sundays. I hadn't seen my dad all week. Like, let me be really wow. clear. Like, my dad would preach on Sundays. I wouldn't see him all week. Wow. And I'm not just like exaggerating. Yeah. Like, I would not see him. My mom would work uh, in downtown Milwaukee. We lived in the suburbs of Brook of Milwaukee, about 20 minutes outside the city. And so she would she would get up early um, and take care of everything. Mm-hmm. And do would be gone, just gone, not working, just gone. Cool. And um, we get together. Uh, Saturday night or Sunday morning. Sometimes we meet up at a place near the church, or we'd meet up at the house and we drive to church, act like a perfect family. So how's everything? Fine. How's things going? Fine. To a point, to how bad it was, he got up one time and was trying to joke and say like, you know, he came to my football games, which he never did, and he said I was a wide receiver. <laughs> I wore number seventy-seven. I was six-four. I just found out pounds. this year that numbers in football correlate with the position. So, like, my mom would be there in the snow and the rain, all of that. My sister would be there. I was number 77. Wow. I played on Thursdays for JV, played on Fridays for varsity. I was number 77. I was a lineman. I was a fat lineman. You are fat. And dude said that I was a wide receiver. <laughs> I'd never, he, I'll cross the pulpit and my boy, Will was sitting next to me. He was like, cause we, he played at Vincent in Milwaukee. He was like, what? Cause he was a lineman. And uh-huh. we had one time we actually played against each other. Yeah. And so we was like, what? Like, <laughs> what? And it was just so funny because it was just like, you're so out of tune. And I would beg for him to come to things, man. And he would, but it, 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 it said a lot because it was like people in church asked, how are you guys doing? Fine. Pastor anniversary come up. How you doing? Fine. Things are fine. Get up there. My mom was very careful with her words. She would never like affirm him mm-hmm. um, publicly. Um, my sister and I wouldn't either. We'd just be like, you know, it's really good to be here and stuff like that. But it became really detrimental because it was like church was never like a fun place for us. But not just blaming church. It wasn't church. It wasn't the people because people were cool. They yeah. were just going what we told them. What we saw. So they saw the pastor's family coming in one car. Um, they saw us showing up. 
They saw all wow. of that, uh, but they never. No one saw, and it's not their responsibility to see. They never saw the other sides of it, and so we. It was like and, a role. Yeah, and so it was like, like elephant in the room was addictions and mm. and, and 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 frustrations and uh, distance, right? And uh, but I think for families, uh, for us to address those things, like we have to talk about like not just daddy's not there, but daddy's addicted to something or yeah. mommy's addicted to something, right? And I think we have so many elephants in our homes that when we don't talk about them, we end up getting comfortable with the elephant and the elephant takes up so much space. It takes up so much space. And that goes to the bigger notion of like accountability. 100%. And accountability is huge in everything that we do, right? So it's like, wow. Uh, one thing we have to realize with accountability, someone, accountability is always in the situation. 100%. Someone always has to bear the brunt of it, mm-hmm. right? And normally it's the person's whose job it is mm-hmm. <laughs> that they don't ever take it. Right. So it falls on something. And it seems like even in what you're saying in your life, it falls on you. And yeah. I think in a lot of families, even my own, like it fell on my mom, 100%. it fell on like other things because it's like, I don't want to take accountability for what I have or what I did or yeah. what I said or what I drank or what I smoked or what I, what I did. So someone has to hold it. That's it. And as a kid, wow, I can only imagine you like navigating through that, right? Like navigating and holding on to that responsibility, yeah, right? It's not like cool. holding yeah. on to that as a male child and yeah. as a eldest, as the eldest male child to be like, okay, well, yeah. I have to take the brunt up for this because I mean, what is my mom going to do? Yeah. Right? Like, how is my mom going to cope? How is my sister like going to cope? She needs a great male figure. Mm-hmm. Like, how is this? Like, my mom mm-hmm. needs a, someone to step in, right, to do, like, male things and to to help with that, like, around the house, to lift things, to, to do things, like, all the holes. I have yeah. to fill it. And then I also have to grow myself. I have yeah. to do it. And so yeah. either, like, I think in a lot of families, it's either, like, the child that has to take it on, mm-hmm. the other parent that has to take mm-hmm. it on, where you become like this super being right and then that just puts you in a whole different unfairly of of class of like responsibility i remember that you know and if we're going to navigate it you know it's i said this statement um at church um that recognizing that it can explain behaviors but it doesn't excuse behavior yeah right and one of the things, so as I'm trying to grow and continuing to grow through this, there's something things like in my life where I'm like, man, I missed it there. Like we talked last week about attention seeking, right? Mm-hmm. And likability traps and um, the things like my dad was into like drugs and he's, he's uh, just a lot of other stuff. Uh, I, I didn't want to be in ministry because I'm like, I look like this dude, right? Mm-hmm. It's just all these different things. It may explain things, but it doesn't excuse things. And um, reconciling that truth, right? That it's like, I used to have a really bad anger issue. Mm. A really bad anger issue. Like, I swung on a kid in middle school. um, And I had a really bad anger issue that only got worse. And that's why I got so distant from people in college. Um, I used to. I don't have any more about a really bad anger issue. And a really bad loner. And then just, like, the weight of, like, life. And I'm not, it's not even a blame thing for so long. I I won't share this with everyone. Like, daddy trauma stuff we end up blaming a lot of people mm-hmm. and blaming things on them mm-hmm. because they're not in the room like it's very easy to blame mm-hmm. people who are in the room yeah but it's like uh, they they aren't the ones who swung they aren't the ones who spent it they aren't the ones who 
went and did it. And I think if we're going to heal from daddy trauma, we have to acknowledge the gap that was taken. Yeah. And the things that you had to learn, um, sometimes from the wrong sources. Yeah. Right. So it's like, I'm over here. I remember college, man. Like I'm, I'm watching other people in worship trying to figure out how, like, I didn't know how to tie a tie when my dad lived. Right. So I know how to tie a tie. I did not know how to tie a tie. And so it was before like YouTube was like a big thing. And, um, so I was trying to figure out how to tie a tie. So I remember deacon of the church, I was preaching someplace and he tied a tie for me. Mm. And so every week for a couple months, I came to church with a different untied tie and he tied it. And I just never untied them. <laughs> right. And I just kept the ties tied Yeah. so that I could have a tie. Cause I never knew how to tie a tie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it was certain things like that, you know, and it's it's being honest about it. Like in talking to people now, it's like, well, for me, if we're going to heal from this stuff and navigate it, it's acknowledging the elephant, realizing it doesn't explain just because you can, it explains it doesn't excuse it. It's also the the realization of like the 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 the, the steps that you have yeah. to take consistently, um, to not fall not necessarily into the traps of what they did because that's unfair to you and to them as well, um, but realizing that like they're not living your life today that's it and um that's that's the part i think that growth has to happen in right because if if not then we make the mistake of thinking that or like i've done that like you know they maybe make decisions or they did that no you talked about it yeah you did it you and like while it was in it's informed from a base you can change the future yeah it's informed from someplace uh but it's it doesn't either and if you don't learn from it you end up doing the same crap over and you're perpetuating the same system and then you look up and you're the same just person uh but i think that that's something i'm, I'm recognizing like i never but and also last thing sorry i'm just talking but not trying to be the parent you didn't have yeah. You know, Cam doesn't need who my father wasn't. Right. Uh, Cam doesn't need who my father was. Uh, Cam needs me. Right. You know, and I, and that, and for those of you watching and listening, whether it's fathers or mother trauma, I, I think that's the truth. That's so the truth. It's, it's important in what you're saying too. And I think I really encourage everyone that's even listening to this, like no matter what your relationship is in your life with your parents, whether that's, you know, fatherhood drama, motherhood drama, whatever that looks like is to sit. And what I tell my own clients is to sit and like do the tracing, right? You can't reach your goals and who you are. Like, Hey, I want to be a great parent. I want to be a great father, a great mother. You can't reach those goals unless you do the work of like what's preventing you from getting to that goal. And so Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity a few weeks ago too, of like, you know, why does it bother me so much when people like leave my life? We had an episode Mm -hmm. about, um, our most recent one about people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Right. And like we went through a season of like losing just a lot of people, losing people through death, losing people just who have just walked out that we thought were like really great friends of ours that, you know, we were so like happy with and like, wow, what a great community. And it just all fizzled away suddenly, you know, and that hurt that hurt me a lot. Like we've dealt with a lot of church drama, right? Like we're not new to this. It's comical most of the time, but this hurt, this hurt. I mean, like tears hurt, like sad. Like it's really hard to get me sad. I'm really always good at being optimistic, looking at the positive things in life. And granted I had a lot of other things going on um, in life too, just personally, but 
it saddened me, yeah. right? And I had to sit down with like the hurt and the pain. And I was like, you know, let me trace this. Like where, I had to do a lot of work of mm-hmm. like, where is the root, mm-hmm. right? And I will say like talking to someone, um, like a therapist really helped me too. She gave me a resource about like attachment styles. Mm-hmm. And that was really like helpful to see like how I attach to the people in my life given like my past history mm-hmm. or that. And so- I don't think I've ever sat down and done that work, Mm -hmm. right? Of like, okay, where did this come from? Why does like when people leave and people leave all the time in church, all the time, but why did this hurt so bad? Like, why does this do that? And I'm like, I, you know, I don't lose a lot of people in life, not from my own, like, I would do whatever. I'd be a chameleon to like affect and be and, and, and please. And even if you're not good for me, or even if I think you're a lousy friend, I'm just not vocal enough for like, you know, not the type to like, I just would just like kind of like not talk. I just am not the type to be like, you're a terrible friend. And like, cause I don't want to cause that type of discomfort to you because I like care about the things going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And who needs to hear that they're a terrible friend, but Okay. So I did a lot of work and I did a lot of like tracing back from people pleasing and it came back to like abandonment, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, abandonment, where, where, where would I have been abandoned? Like, cause mm-hmm. you couldn't tell me like in mm-hmm. my childhood, if you would have asked me, do I have trauma? I would be like, no, no, I have trauma. Like I had a really good childhood, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I was raised from a single mother um, my whole entire life. Like I do not know my father at all. Like I never met the man, never seen the man. Um, I do not know him at all Mm -hmm. and my mom such an amazing mom and such an amazing parent that like she was like two parents and one like I never even Mm -hmm. knew what I didn't have like I didn't know and um so going through that though but there's a reason why God created this like male and female Mm -hmm. type parenthood right of creating a child because you need both both the masculine and the feminine Mm -hmm. of like raising a child Mm -hmm. I think that's important to who we are and although my mom was an outstanding mom I'm realizing that just not even having that other parent Mm -hmm. planted a seed of like abandonment right like it planted that seed of abandonment and that seed grew to like okay well you have to please people because mm-hmm. if you don't please people, they will go away. Mm-hmm. And even though that's crazy because like I was a baby, there's nothing that I could have done. There's nothing that I did to make him go away. There's nothing that I did of my fault. So there's nothing that I could do of pleasing to keep him or to bring him that's or it. to, to do those things. And, you know, even my mother, she has her own complicated story around things and just like hearing her story, which is a gift to have, but like, but somewhere along the way, I told myself, like, maybe if I was better, maybe mm-hmm. if I was this, maybe if I was enough, like he would want to stay around. Maybe if I'm more successful or maybe if I'm out there and I'm seen more and he's like, oh, wow, is that my child? And I want to go. I want to meet her because she's this and she's yeah. that and she's that. And maybe something I can do yeah. to make me have a complete yeah. you know parenting circle and that you know I had to realize that abandonment that was planted um that I'm sure my mom wanted to shield me from but that 
abandonment that was planted for so long ago that even plays out, right? And so you can't go back in time. You can't, you know, do that. But what I have now is saying like, okay, my, who's in my life is Mm -hmm. who's supposed to be in my life and who's not in my life is who's not supposed to be in my life. Right. And I absolutely, anything that I have done, taking accountability in my Mm -hmm. actions of any relationships that I've had, like to be responsible for that, but anything, but there's a lot of things that have happened in my life Mm -hmm. that are just quite frankly, not my fault. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't have to change myself in any way to appease those people. And that's the beautiful gift that I had to do with myself to do that work right? Mm -hmm. To do that work. And so I encourage listeners on that, no matter what relationship that you're struggling with, whether that's a a parent, a grandparent, family members, close friends, whatever that looks like to do the work of saying, what have I picked up along the way? Mm -hmm. What seeds have been planted that I have watered in my own self Mm -hmm. and now have like, like, yielded the fruit of people pleasing yielded the fruit of like i'm not enoughness yielded the fruit of depression and anxiety yielded the fruit of all these things like trace it back and 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 do the work and then let it go and that's and that is the marker i think of of intense growth is when you're able to look at the very things not necessarily that were designed to kill you look at the very things that for years bothered you and for years you held on to and uh, be willing to move forward, um, to unearth it, to find it, to kill it, to go forward. And it's not easy. You know what I mean? Um, last year my mother passed away. And um, it's crazy. You know, guys, one of the things I always said to everyone listening and watching this, this is not like scripted. So we have like, there's no order of worship <laughs> you know it's just very real you know my uh, my mother passed away mm-hmm. and i remember my mother passed away and um i don't have my dad's number say my number hasn't changed since high school so i mean like i've had the same phone number since 2006 and so my mother passed away and i get a text message from some seven some number and uh, I know who it is, right, at first, and then I look, keep looking at it, and I do some Googling, and I find out where it is, and I'm like, oh, this is my dad, right? People that reached out to him that still connected to him probably on Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I know mom passed away. I know that I'm praying for you guys. Then I found his Facebook page and saw that he had put up this whole status about pray for my kids and all of this, and then saw that he had shared pictures of us and all and I'm like... We haven't talked in like 10 years now, right? <laughs> we have not talked at all. And outside of the one instance in Colorado when you wouldn't have a one-on-one conversation with me, we haven't talked. Like mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. No conversation, no nothing, yeah. right? And um, so he reached out and then he sends this message saying, um, uh, I deleted it. I should. I wish I kept it. I just didn't want to even know where his number was. But it was something like... Um, if you need me present at the funeral, I will be sure to be there to support you and Camille. Mm-hmm. Camille, your sister. Yeah, my sister. And I almost like, I wanted to just like go off, right? I wanted to like, like support, <laughs> like Drake, right? Like support. Drake. Support. <laughs> what? You want to support now? Like, like what? Like, and I remember that. And, it was just like, I was trying to be kind. Yeah. Was like, no, I'm good. And uh, we had security make sure he wasn't going to be in the building. So then afterwards, after it's all over, I get this message, man, um, 
because he finds himself about the house, whatever. And so my sister, in a very wise way, you know, he reaches out and we had this group message because we're like, cool, let's, let's see where this goes. My sister, she's a, she's a therapist. And so she told him, I'll talk to you, but we're going to do therapy. Wow. We're going to do therapy together. And what a beautiful gift that response was. He had a great gift. This was an amazing grace filled gift. And, uh, cause he was like, I have grandkids. I never met them. And Camille's like, and you won't. Because you have kids that unless, you haven't met. Because you, you have kids that are, <laughs> like, and for my sister, he left when she was in seventh grade. So this girl has had to look to her brother, not just she ever looked at me, but looked to her brother yeah. as like the, and I felt, like you said a second ago, the weight of masculinity in our home. Yeah. Because my mom's trying to find a job. My sister is going into high school. Mm-hmm. And puberty mm-hmm. with a dad I'm trying to protect her from, mm-hmm. right? A church that's been stripped from her, her childhood friends. So she's not like she's like 18. Yeah. She's 12. Yeah. And so anyway, so afterwards he reached out again and um, it was, uh, Camille said that whole thing about, you know, we're going to go to therapy because we're going to start our relationship first where we start another relationship. And he refused it. Mm-hmm. Refused it. I will not do this, not do that. Narcissism, man. And I had an anger issue that me and God worked on back in like 2017. But yeah, you had to grab me and my, you saw me getting boiling hot and you and you and Camille's <laughs> husband were having another text message list. Like, oh my God, is Camille okay? And Camille's having a panic attack and I'm going crazy over here. And Cam's like, what is wrong with daddy? I'm shaking. And this dude begins to just proceed to send stuff. And I did not realize, and all this to say this, what had been sitting inside of me since that 17-year-old came home and saw him beating my mom up. Yeah. Everything from, do you realize what I had to work, had to do, had to table, had to try to do, the multiple jobs, the grades that suffered, the scholarships I lost... And it was just all this stuff built up because we went from two incomes to no, his, he had two jobs to nothing. Yeah. Right. And so like, I'm in high school, man. Like yeah. I'm about to graduate from high school. And it's just like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember, and it's all of that came out. It's all of it came out. Like, do you understand the crap I've been through? The things that I've done? Yeah. For that, I and to see that, and then like the reason this even came up for me in a place to heal and talk through was he attends a church now where it's a guy I know the pastor, I know the pa- we're in a group message, like I know the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in the pulpit on this guy's first Sunday mm. laying hands on him, Jeez. and it just, it just something in me was just like, I think the boy in you was like, Where was that? You person. laid hands on someone my age yeah. with with a little kid. Mm. And then he had the nerve. Two other things. Sorry. And I'm just done because it's all things I'm working through. That's what's funny. I heard the man preach for the first time since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. He was my pastor for 17 years. Mm-hmm. He was my pastor. Mm-hmm. He was my dad. He's my pastor. He's the only man I knew. And he copied one of my sermons, which was hilarious to me. Like one of my, I'm like, okay, I know I'm preaching now, but he copied one of my sermons, right? <laughs> what an honor. Yeah, right. And he, so because he was good at copying sermons, and he was copying one of my sermons, and not just copying one of my sermons, but then had the nerve to have an analogy using 
him hanging out with his two grandkids, <laughs> watching SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> and our son can't stand SpongeBob. <laughs> and my nephew is still like watching we were watching um the 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 ghetto abcs what is that gracie's table gracie's corner gracie's table is a great restaurant in Napa. <laughs> unplugged aver- un 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 um what is it advertisement un unpaid advertisement <laughs> and so it was just a lot that came out for me about a month and a half ago that on top of everything else we were dealing with about a month and a half ago and that's why honestly you guys we had a month hiatus cuz we just literally just and I can't wait to talk about that probably in a year, but when things boil over, but we just, we just, there just, all of that came out. And I remember the moment I saw that and you and Bran were just like, do not get on YouTube to look at people's live streams, block the page, block this. Like, why are you watching that on Sundays? Yeah, it, it and it was just like, cause I was yeah. just like, why are, what is it about? And like, for me to be honest, what is it about him? So I was listening to this dude and I'm literally in my head, like tearing this guy down. I don't even know. Well, I know him, but I don't know him. Like that. And I'm like, literally, I was contemplating going to the guy's install. Because I was just like... And so I was in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta in um, August. And I was six blocks away from that church. And it took everything in me to yeah. not go. And it was just yeah. one of those things. I say all that to say this. I'm sorry. I think this is the first time I'm talking a lot of stuff out. But like, this is the... I guess on two sides. On one side for me... This is like the first time I'm talking a lot of this stuff out, right? And I'm putting things out because it's just, it's amazing the weight that sits on top of people, right? And I'm trying to lead others and I'm hearing of other people in our church. I'm watching men. God has called me to minister to men in this season of my life. And as I'm ministering to men, talking to men, it's just like, please be honest about who you are. Be honest about where you are. Hold yourself accountable. Because you're only as successful as your biggest secret. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, hold yourself accountable to it in your close circles. Um, and uh, so that this is the effect of what it happens. Like, I never want my son to talk about me or think about me the way that I think about my own. And the thing about it is, if he simply would have said, like, hey, let's do therapy. He'd probably be on a podcast with us. I would have invited yeah. him in when I got installed. Would have come, like literally because like I'm podcast craving. I want that relationship. Right. And I'm sure if you, as you talk about yours as well, I bet if he were to be like, hey, listen, this like your mom and you have a conversation. He reach out and like you guys do work together, and it's like cool. Here's a picture. Like there's there's we crave it because it's half of yourself, half of yourself, and half of your identity. And I think too. It's sitting down as as adults now and looking back, right, and saying to yourself and having the realization that it's hard to come to grips with. But there's a powerful quote that I heard is that, like, some people, especially people that are supposed to be sacrificial in their love, they love themselves more. Oh, my God. And having that, understanding that you no longer, you don't. Not no longer. You never had the capacity to love me in the way that I needed to be loved. And so freeing yourself for that where it's like even now you don't have the capacity to understand or have the accountability. You don't have the capacity of who I am right now to father and to do that. And, you know, sometimes I have to when I've been looking through my life and I'm like, God, 
this season in our lives too has been like laden with a lot of like rejection, oh like God. a lot of just like rejection, mm. no, no to opportunities, no to things, no to that. And it's hard like not to get down, right? And not to like even have the root because it's like, oh, well, I've been rejected as a child. I've been rejected from this. I've been rejected from that, right? And it's this powerful notion that I've like, I just heard the spirit say so sweetly, like, I love you too much to let you go through that. And that was a a thing where I had to even sit down with myself and like, you know, God, why, why, why wasn't I able to do the father daughter dances and the father daughter breakfasts and the father daughter things that I never had anybody to do that. And I'm so grateful for like great uncles that have been there and just have been like father like to me, people in my church that have been like, Sorry. sorry about Auburn. (laughs) <laughs> did Auburn win? No, Auburn just pushed him to the limit. Oh. That may keep them the so I'm just saying sorry about Auburn. Okay. Um, I've had so many great uncles, but realizing and for myself, and I just heard the spirit say so sweetly, I love you too much to allow someone to be a part of your life that just did not have the qualifications to be a part of your life. And in the same, right, in the, it doesn't make sense in the world because it's just like everybody else has great fathers. Everybody else has this. Everybody else has like a normal family. Everybody else has this. Everybody else is that. And God is saying to us like, oh, I know where I'm taking you. I know where you have. And I know it's pretty bad for you in your childhood. But he had to be gone in those formative oh years because like I love you too much to have him around in those years that I was shaping you to the man that you are today. Yeah. Right. You know, it's that, uh, I said this a while ago to our church. We sang the song, hallelujah, salvation, glory, mm-hmm. honor, power. To... And, um, when you continue reading that, that text, in revelation 19, he talks about them getting a glimpse of the rapture that they avoided. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my praise, my gratitude is not what I went through. Yeah. It's what you avoided. No. Oh my God. Four years of college in that. And yeah. I was getting it back into sports and he didn't have it. And the church was six blocks away from school. Right. I can only imagine right. being in church, faking it while I'm in college. Yeah. Formative years dating. Yeah. What? Purchasing things. And I haven't even gotten to all of it, but like money issues and drug issues and right. connections. Or and being like, like a, a present father in today, like oh as God. you are a relevant Jesus pastor Christ, in no. the city and putting those whole notions, like you said in our last Shack episode Day? of like the last episode of like our people pleasing ones where like, you know, that mindset of. Oh, so you're going to San Francisco every week to get hats and stuff? Oh, oh, oh son, you need to you need to be wearing robes. Oh, oh son, God. you know his own notion and work that he has to do himself, right? Realizing that like parents are human, right? And it's a good parent. It's the parent that's already done the work. I remember something my mom said to me. I don't know why I just remember this when I she first got sick. When I went home to Milwaukee. We were um we were in the hospital. And I was working aggressively to get her out, to get her home, to get the home set up for her. And uh, we were sitting in the hospital, and she had this moment because she couldn't, she could text, but she didn't really ever want to text because the only people she texts is me, Camille, and um, one of her friends and her sister. She looked at me and she said, You know, she couldn't talk much, so she was working. She, I wasn't 
a perfect parent. Mm. I was like, Mom, stop. Like, Mom, stop. And I'm like, stop talking about death. But talking about death, we're going to talk about this. And it's under master class, too. We have a lost mom. I know what past master class. But shameless yeah. plug, and I'll talk about that in a second. But, like, I remember she she looked at me, and she was like, I wasn't a perfect I wasn't a perfect parent. Um, but I tried. And I remember looking at her, and I remember walking outside, and the nurses saw me, and I just started weeping. Like, I just started crying. And they came up and they gave me tissue. And they're like, what's wrong? I said, that's not my mom. So my mom was always like about her presence, about perfection. You know, she's gonna wear the 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 power suits. She had the colors, the power suits. She studied that stuff. She knew. Ever since my dad like left, she had the she had she studied like power presence, power suits, all of this. Stan like the book I got, Stan like uh, Stan like Lincoln speak like Churchill. My mom had it first. Mm-hmm. How do you perfect your communication style? You show up in the room. You take over the room. You have presence. People remember you're there, even if like it's sometimes out of character. Mm-hmm. And I, so I joke when I went back home to preach, and it was just like my mom would have been cracking jokes about this. And they were like, well, "Your mom had jokes," because <laughs> like the way she showed up in a room, she was going to stand like Lincoln and speak like Churchill. Right. And um, she said, "I'm not. I was never the perfect parent, but I tried." And it broke me, man, because it was like, "You really did." You it's tried. the try that and, makes all the difference. And I think that's the thing I even honor for for your mom too. Yeah. I see her and just like the things that she does with you and the relationship y'all have. It's just wonderful because it's like, no, there's we're never going to be perfect parents either. There, no um, perfect parent exists, but a trying try, a trying parent yeah. is the parent that endures, that's right? It. Nobody knows. Like we're all just people who come along and has their own individual lives that have um, become parents, right? And there is, because there's no book, there's no pamphlet, there's no degree in parenthood. There is nothing. They give you this child in the hospital and say like, good luck, don't kill him. And get cool. out get, and get out and here's, here's some, some milk. Yeah, but some milk. And steal the rest. Um, and, and that's it. But that's it. That's what kids remember the most right they don't remember like when cam grows up like i'm like kim stop stop jumping on my couch this is my showroom i call it my showroom back here all the time and um but then sometimes i'm like you know what i'm just gonna let him jump because i mean it's a very yeah jessa doesn't like it but i'm like you're right this is a very jumpable couch and I get it. And it's the try. They're not going to remember the perfection, right? They're not going to remember the times, but it's remembering the times like you're saying when your mom was, you know, getting messy in the kitchen. I remember she was making a cake with Cam and I remember those times. And I remember like the times where um, she said something that was so funny and totally out of character for herself. And it was so like crazy and out of pocket that we just started all just like cracking up like what and those are the times you remember because it was the try try. right and And it's never the perfection right it's like what did you i'm not a perfect person kids kids it's actually being perfect is the least of what a parent is it's unattainable so we just really want our parents and loved ones to be human Right. right and uh yeah, you know, so if you're going to navigate through this, I think you take a look at your own lives, hold yourself accountable, realize it may explain but doesn't excuse, be honest with your children, be vulnerable, um, and uh, what was it, I forgot the other thing, oh, like your 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 child doesn't need 
what your parents weren't. Your mm. child needs who God created you to be um, and who you are is enough. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and be honest about your own stories. If one thing you guys noticed today um, is that, you know, for me, this is some of the stuff I'm talking out for like the first time and Court's sharing her story as well, that all of us have stories and sometimes we, we grow the most in the ugly stories, right? And it's the ugliness of our stories where we really can begin to see the handprint of God. I had this struggle last week where I was struggling with God about the things that we've dealt with, the things that we've gone through the course of the last year. And I was thinking about my mother, I was thinking about church stuff, I was thinking about transitions, I was thinking about our summer. And I'm saying you're just like, God, like what in the world? And he began to reveal to me the good things out of it all, right? The, the things that have been created, the things that he was cultivating. And I hated it in the moment. Even like we're on the tail end of some stuff right now. I hated it. In the moment. It sucked, man. It was just long and drawn out. But the stuff that God created, the things that he revealed, the character that he built, the honesty that he called out, the accountability that he named, the vulnerability that he gave, even the series of Revelation, man, I was hard as all get out. I was hard to show up to pulpit. I would literally be up for, till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and then sleep for 30 minutes and go to church. And I feel like, what are you going to bed? And I would literally be up, just can't sleep, anxious. And... To be in a position now where it's like on the other side of it, and this is what God did, because um, you grow the most in your ugly stories, your yeah. ugly long journeys, and I don't wish those in anyone, I don't desire those, I don't wish to give it, I hope my son's therapy sessions in years, if he ever has to go, is about something that is not daddy or mommy related, I pray our best that it is, um, that it's nothing to deal with us or what we've said or done to him, but like bad football coach like not gonna yeah. but if i'm a football coach and hopefully not but you know but it's just one of those things I, I pray that we aren't the source of trauma yeah um and i think my last like little takeaway with what you're saying in something what we just talked about is that if you're a parent out there whether you're a father or a mother or you're co-parenting together with someone is just to just try just right try. like i know it might be difficult to communicate with a co-parent but try it again that's it Try coming to the games. Try seeing. Try thinking ahead to what your child might need. Try being there because one thing a child always remembers is that, wow, you tried. I remember you were, uh, I think you went to get your nails done or something, and he was upstairs. And uh, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. And this little kid just has little hot wheels on the floor. And I'm sitting here like, I am tired. But... He didn't even ask for it. I just sat down on the floor, played Hot Wheels with this kid. That's the best 10 minutes of my day because I, he just wanted to play Hot Wheels. Yeah. And so what, to what Courtney said, it's it's the games. It's also just like, hey, do you want to help me uh, put the food in the oven? Hey, do you want to – I'm running to the store. Do you want to come with? Hey, I'm watching the show. Do you want to join in? What shows do you like? And – even like I sat there, I love Cam to Life, but his taste in YouTube shows is just <laughs> weird. Trash. And so we sat there and watched these kids play racing for ten minutes, man. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's just so into it. And I'm like, but he's doing the same thing when I'm watching football for eight hours straight, right? Yeah. And and I'm sitting down here literally in the showroom couch because it's the most comfortable couch in our house. I'm sitting down here watching football on Saturdays from 9 a.m. Yeah, to couch. 11 p.m. And I will seriously <laughs> sit. I've made an indent. I've found all the places where plugs are. 
to eat and everything in this room because I'm watching football. And my son will just come down and enjoy and make fun of me because I fall asleep and all that. And it's just, you're right, remember the tribe. Let me speak to this. So as you guys heard in the last episode, we are starting an, or a, we have an LLC called the Luster Group. And part of the LLCs, um, you heard last week about capacity. And so this week I want to share with you guys a little bit about our master classes. Um, so we have master classes that we offer in areas that we feel that God has called us to master, right? And so three of the ones that I'm offering um, are Breaking 200. Um, so if you're a pastor or church leader, um, I uh, I have been in three different contexts. I was in uh, Tennessee, which is um, which is the uh, like some of the most church cities in the country. Nashville and Murfreesboro are some of the most churched and uh, biblically literate cities in the country. Moved to Rhode Island, which was number five and number seven, I believe, on the most unchurched and biblically literate cities in the country. And then moved to Vallejo, California, which the Bay Area, um, Sacramento, San Francisco, places like that, are numbers two and four, I believe. Um, Seattle's number one. Um, in like Oregon and places like that, number two, um, oh, number number two. And so we have been in some of the most unchurched and publicly literate areas. And in the Mitchell's places, we have seen attendance grow drastically. Um, God has trusted our leadership to grow intergenerational churches um, um, large uh, and to break 200. And um, and I've done that in Nashville, Rhode Island, and, ten- and California. And I put together a masterclass to help pastors um, to break 200 as inexpensively as possible. As a, a thousand as a, member pastor yeah, today. Yeah, as a thousand member pastor now. Yeah. Um, we have broken 200 and our goal now is in one of our services. That's and the as stalling we, point. And as we plant our next service is to break that. Yes, thank you for that. So the stalling point for most churches is breaking 50 is easy because you can do that family and friends. Breaking 100 with their family and friends is easy. Breaking 200 is the hardest barrier. Because once you break 200, you finally, you put the systems in place to break five. Once you break five, you're going to break a thousand. And once you break a thousand, you're going to hit three, unless something unethical, ridiculous, um, catastrophic, financial, you know, so you lose a building or whatever, uh, you're going to break mega once you break a thousand. So right now we're preparing for three to 5,000 people, even though we just broke a thousand, right? So, um, there's that, right? So we're doing that. Another one as well, you guys let me talk about um, parents today. I lost my mom last year and um, navigating through grief as a pastor. I've been doing funerals for years. Um, I haven't had to preach a eulogy until hers, and there's a difference. And recognize grief, uh, and, and it's all its facets. And I couldn't find a resource while I was dealing with the loss of a parent there's that a actually lot that helps you it. deal with it, whether yeah. that's the estate, the uh, wills, and everything. So I have a master class. And preparing now, if you have aging 100%. parents or sickly parents, or you just want to have healthy legacy, which begins now, of navigating through losing a loved one or a close loved one and how to process that through. And I wish we had a guide or book oh because it was, it was hard to navigate through. And so I think this masterclass would be for any of those that have Asian parents or those that are head of estates in your family or whatever that looks like for you right now, starting, what do we need to plan yeah. um, as we go on for the future? Yeah. And so this masterclass talks about how you can recognize the signs of death and the language they're saying, because most people who are going to pass know about two months in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, some of the language they begin to use for me allude to one of the stories my mom um, when I started saying something is different um, and things like that. So I'd go through the masterclass. And the last one is dealing with, um, you guys heard my book, Necessary Endings, I talk about it all the time, um, but it's that one, the four mindsets to uh, enrich your life to go forward. And so Courtney has 
uh, a couple as well and uh, for master classes. What master classes do you have for? Yeah, so I'm doing a master class on if you are interested in becoming a coach, how to start into the coaching world, what exactly is coaching, how to navigate through that. And so if you're interested in establishing yourself and becoming a coach, I have uh, coached coaches for many years, um, giving you the difference and how to start that up. Um, I will be doing a master class on that. Um, and then also just on transitions in life, whether that is um, from pregnancy to um, um, you trying to navigate this new life of parenthood, or you're just trying to advance your career, whatever yeah. that looks like, just general coaching and helping you reach to that. I also offer individual coaching. Mm -hmm. um, I have a free 15 minute consultation mm -hmm. that, um, um, that you can use and going through the coaching, you get a great guide that helps you to stay on track, helps you to be accountable, uh, and helps you get to the goals that are just so hard to get to. So I would love to talk to you. I would love to meet you. Um, more information is going to come up in, um, in our little description on where notes. you can, um, sign up for that so we are so excited everything's in the show notes um and uh, it's on our facebook pages and things like that and uh we're we're doing this in a way that i think could be conducive for us but i think really we want to help people our whole goal yeah. has always been to um help people and you say this all the time like um you say you call people magic you say you're magical right? absolutely we are magical that. and i don't think we realize how how much energy that we produce like as people and that there is no one in the world that is quite like you and so um we could either dim it or shine like the magic that we are so okay. we you are magical we are magical and super excited that you are in on the journey for your life that's it so um all the uh, links and stuff from the show notes, please connect, uh, reach out to us and, uh, look forward to seeing you guys next Monday before we go court. What's your unpaid advertisement? Oh, I don't know. Uh, my unpaid advertisement is for Uno. <laughs> they have this new one. That's like, what is it called? Show them oh, no mercy. That's like number. Or yeah. That's my number one Christmas on my Christmas list is called show them no mercy. Uno. Our son has gotten very good at Uno. Like he beat me like five times in a row. And I'm like going hard on him. I'm like, I'm not holding or withholding cards. He is just like winning. And I'm like, oh, I got something for you. So today's <laughs> today's unpaid advertisement is for show them no mercy. Uno. My unpaid advertisement is Wisconsin Sports. Oh my god. The Green Bay Packers <laughs> beat the Detroit Lions. They gave the Kansas City Chiefs a fight. That's true. I'm it's so happy Milwaukee that game was on TV because you were like about to cry because you can't see Packers. The games Milwaukee here. Bucks have Dame Lillard. Yeah. Chris Middleton doesn't Andrewski. have knees. But uh, but okay, Andrewski, but it's over with because he's on the enemy's <laughs> team now. He went to Satan's team. Satan's teams are Notre Dame, Boston Celtics, and the Chicago Bears. So he went to Satan's team. So not by it. choice. He went to Satan's team. He's always he went to Satan's family. team. Stop. He went to Satan's team. So shout out the Wisconsin sports, <laughs> and then um, also let's see what's the other team. Oh, the best team, college basketball, right now, the Marquette Golden Eagles. Will Ring they out be Ahoya. on your bracket? That's the question. It'll be on my bracket. Yes, okay. it'll be on my bracket this year. Last year, yeah, uh, last year you talked about a good game but and you Marquette, messed up Golden my Eagles bracket. Are soon to be number one in the country. Marquette Golden Eagles are Final Four bound, championship game bound. 
going to put up another banner. Marquette Golden Eagles, 77, 2023. Well, 2024 by the time we get it. It'll be great. Marquette Golden Eagles, Dwayne Wade's home. Okay, well, thank Marquette you so Golden much Eagles, for my unpaid ad. Wisconsin Sports. <laughs> um, so as you guys you can see, week. we have lives. So, <laughs> see you guys next week.